Hi, welcome to Five Days with Doug. I'm Doug Perkins. I'm excited this week to share my conversation that I had with Ivan Trevino. Ivan and I were playing a show together down in Waco, Texas about two weeks ago and had a little time and thought maybe we should podcast. Turned out we had just enough time to eat some lunch, so we ate lunch and podcasted. It was really fun. We had a cool conversation over a plate of mac and cheese and some pie and it was at a place called Lula Jane's down in Waco so if you're ever down there I recommend it highly it is a favorite of ours um so check this out and uh it's like hanging with us you'll hear people at the restaurant hanging behind us so sorry if that if that sound bugs you a little bit but hopefully you'll get used to it here's a great chat that I had with composer performer and member of Break of Reality, Ivan Trevino. check one two boom boom um well i guess yeah let's just let's just roll all right officially let's do it hi ivan how are you doug i'm so good great man it's Um, good to see you good to see you so we're here uh this is my first first out in public um podcast which means that i've met you at lula jane's in waco texas um that's right I have pie in my mouth, sorry. <laughs> Which is a beautifully, yeah, so I feel bad. I hear that people don't like to hear eating during podcasts, so we're going to try <laughs> our best not to make chewing sounds no, into our that's microphones. That's really good. I'm glad you reminded me, because I was really going for it. <laughs> right then. We're eating, uh, yeah, cause we, so we're here, and we have pie in front of us. I've gone with a silk pie. Um, what Blue, did you go with? Blueberry. Blueberry pie. Ama- amazing. Very good. Um, yeah, so this is either going to work really well or be the most annoying bit of internet um listening anyone's ever done because <laughs> it's kind of awkward because i really want to eat the pie but i want to keep talking so I there's know. not dead space which I is know. sort of maybe we'll pause sometimes sure to take bites and drink coffee yeah because yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm excited to eat the, our food hasn't arrived yet but the pie's here so i think we're gonna eat pie first yeah that's what i'm doing um okay we're gonna pause it again we're gonna eat some pie How's <laughs> dessert first it's so good Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You've chowed much more than I have. <laughs> yeah. I eat fast, man. For a little person, I can really go for it. You're like half the size of me. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. So, we're here. We're both in Waco. We're playing a concert together today. Yes. We're playing Timber by Michael Gordon. Yeah. It's my first time playing it. Have you played it a number of times? Yeah. Not a number of times. I've played other played xy by michael gordon oh yeah times. but i feel like i've only played i've played timber once and then i i coached it once at eastman oh yeah recently yeah in the fall nice man winter it's my first time it's fun it's hard like really? the, there's three minutes at the end that are really really yeah, the first 30 tricky. are not so hard no and then you pay for it oh our food's here thank you <laughs> um 
Yeah, man, it's it's fun. It's just challenging. I think that those three minutes where all those funky polyrhythms are going on. Have you played his music before? No, I haven't. Um, I mean, I've heard it before. I think I might have even heard you play X Y. Yeah. So somewhere. the question for me, yeah, when? So we met at Eastman. Yeah. And I was there in 2004. Yep. 2003. 2003. Because I wasn't. Yeah, I was not yet married. Okay. Yeah, so I was there 2002 to 2006. And nice. I remember that you would like leave town randomly for so gigs, I think, right? Right. Yeah, and we were like, where's Doug? What's he doing? And then he would show up again. But we were, we figured out, or you told us that you were doing this percussion group. Um, right, because cool. yeah, back then we were one step above nothing. <laughs> Felt like something. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, because there was a moment when we all met like in school. Yep. And then... There was a moment where it was just two of us. It got kind of down because uh, it started with Tim Feeney and Todd Meehan. And Tim quit. And then Todd was pretty much quitting. Sure. So then we we brought on Adam. And it looked like Adam was going to probably join the group at that point. But like we weren't sure. So Jason was like, that's when we kind of thought, oh, this was the fun thing we did in grad school. And then I went to New York. Or Jason went to New York. He went down to the city, and I went upstate New York mm-hmm. and started my doctorate. But then, yeah. like, that was the moment that the phone started to ring. That's awesome. Yeah, and I remember. And and Mr. Beck, our teacher, seemed really supportive of what you were doing, right? Mr. Beck is the best. I, I feel agree. like we could spend a whole hour just talking Dude, about how great Dude, Mr. Beck, for me, like, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be writing music now. Um, I remember going into a lesson and not really having prepared whatever timpani etudes he had assigned to me. But I had really started getting into improvising and writing music. And I showed up for a lesson. I said, JB, um, I didn't really do that timpani stuff. But I started to work on this. And I was really scared. I thought he would be like, well, you need to do what what I'm telling you to do. But he was really um, supportive and said, hey, you're excited about this? Let's do this stuff. So we did. And every lesson after that, we would spend a little bit of time on some of the composing stuff I was doing. And he would record me playing it. And then we would look through the score together to see if what I was playing was actually what I was intending from the composing aspect, you know, in terms of notation. And he would help me with that stuff, you know. Um, so he really kind of nurtured that out of me, which is pretty cool. Um, wow, cause I was really first composition teacher. Yeah, he was. And my only one, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I didn't study it anywhere else. Um, so he would kind of just helped me, you know, support support what I was doing and encouraged me to to keep doing it it's pretty he cool was great because for those of you who are not percussionists so john beck is this guy at eastman who teaches had taught percussion for years and years and years and years and i think the hilarious thing about him you know he has kind of a, a buddha-esque uh reputation i would say that's correct like if there's any basketball fans out there i think he's kind of like phil jackson who coached uh-huh. like the like lakers and he, so he would phil jackson would get a bunch of really great basketball players and just kind of facilitate all of the talent you know kind of just zen like get everybody to and i think mr beck's kind of very similar he um yeah because when i think about well for our field to go just down the dorky percussion hole like him and you know marimbists for example he taught a bunch of marimbists who ended up with very different techniques and very different personalities and you realize that it's just because he they went into their lessons and he said Sounds good. Play <laughs> right. some more. 
Yeah. And people felt encouraged. It was enough. He, he found talented people who then felt encouraged. Yeah. To pursue. And everybody who, who came out of Eastman, or who still comes out of Eastman, I think, even with Mike, has their own way of playing a little bit. You know, everybody has their own voice. And I think you're totally right about the marimba guys. And also you taught like Steve Gadd and Chris Lamb. And it's just kind of crazy when you think about it, you know. My, because for me, the funny thing, so going back to Michael Gordon, is he really, I've ended up playing this piece of Michael Gordon's XY for 10 years now, 12 years now. Mm -hmm. And I learned it at Eastman for my recital there and was, you know, had one of these lessons where I was feeling unprepared. I had nothing. I didn't prepare my timpani or whatever he wanted me to do. So I went in. There was this funny thing at Eastman where you couldn't take the drums from one room to another room. And I it was also never there. So I signed out. The, I didn't have any good room to sign out. So I signed out this practice room that only had huge tom-toms. <laughs> like it was 903. Oh, there was right. only like, only thing in there was like 16-inch single-sided ringing tom-toms. And so I played the piece for JB on these huge tom-toms and he was like oh sounds like timpani have you thought about the pitches could you make it sing even more than this and it kind of set this light bulb off that i thought the piece was just about whacking rhythms really hard and then it became all about harmony from that moment wow, forward. wow that's so cool and it's really meaningful to michael the way i do it with that and it's so the whole piece turned on its head it, he, he helped me with that there's this um <laughs> This uh, piece for djembe is called Oko by Zanakis. Uh -huh. That one day I took in a, um, I took in my djembe part to that, and he really helped me play djembe better. That's awesome. He like helped my approach to that. My favorite lesson was when I just tried to make him teach me drum set because I thought it would be funny, <laughs> and he said, he just said, sit at the drum set, Doug. Now play some paradiddles. Now play it around the drums, and I did, and it was all just. And then he looked at me and he said. Do you know who I taught how to do that? Steve Gadd. I taught Steve Gadd how to play paradiddles on the drum set. And like that, that was worth all the student loans Amazing. I had to pay off for years Amazing. from the Eastman School. JB is incredible. And he's still there teaching a history of percussion class, which I took when I went back to get my uh, master's with Mike. JB was there and it was just amazing because it, it essentially turns into story time with JB because right. he knew like virtually a lot of the people within the spectrum of percussion history and we just tell stories and show us youtube videos and go on wikipedia it was <laughs> hilarious he also for me was really great in that he made me feel really good about kind of taking the leap to playing in so full-time i he made me drop out of school right i think i've i've heard this story from someone else he kind of takes pride in it now and that i came into a lesson one day and said he just looked at me and he was like, why are you here? And I was nice. like, I don't know, Mr. Beck. He's like, I think it sounds like you have concerts <laughs> and a career. And that's why everyone goes to school. And right. not everyone gets to do that. Yeah. So you should do that. Amazing. And I was like, you're right, Mr. Beck. That's awesome. And then I went downstairs and dropped out of school. Amazing, man. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like Bill Kahn, who, te who was teaching at oh. Eastman, he had a very similar idea, you know, like he would always ask the graduate students, why are you here? Like, do you want to teach at a college? And if your answer was yes, and he would say, OK, that, you know, I guess this is a might be a good place to be. But if your answer was like, I don't know, I think I want to play or do chamber music. Be like, you need to not be here then. Like, go start your career, you know. 
Um, it's always an interesting approach, but I think that old school approach kind of about school is always thoughtful and interesting. And a lot of younger people feel like, I got to go to school. I don't know what else I'm going to do, you know. But that's awesome that he told you to just do your thing. Yeah, it was. That's amazing. It was really good. So, yeah, when I think about my time at Eastman, in one sense, I was never there. And that was bad. Right. But in another sense. One, I took a really great class with this guy, Martin Scherzinger. I took a really good ethno class. I got interested in the Ambira. I was the worst member of the Eastman Ambira ensemble at that point <laughs> that he was trying to work on. And, uh, yeah, and then Mr. Beck, like, set me straight on a couple of things and then kicked me out of school. Amazing. And the rest is history. That's right. As they say. Cause, so were you in Rochester, like, the whole time from mm-hmm. undergrad through master's? No. So I did uh, 2002 to 2006 with JB. Then I took two years off, moved to New York City, and really got my cello band going, um, Break of Reality. Um, we started gigging a lot more during that time period and recording a ton. Did you meet in New York? or was that? No, we met at Eastman. You met at Eastman. And, and we kind of collectively decided, hey, let's go to New York and try to make this work. And, um, man, we did a lot of playing in all sorts of places. Like, we got a permit to play in the subways. So we would set up down there and play. And, um, you know, now when we play big concerts in New York, we still meet people. Hey, I first saw you guys in the subway. I saw you in Central Park, you know. We were just playing as much as we could. Obviously, real legitimate gigs. But when we weren't, we kind of all decided, let's try to make playing in this band. Let's just be active and keep playing. Yeah. Yeah. so we did that for, for a few years, a couple years, too. And then when Mike Burrett got the job at Eastman to replace JB, I had always wanted to study with Mike, and we had met many years before that at a Northwestern summer camp. And um, I just decided it was time to go back. And I think at that point, Break of Reality was having a transition with some member changes. So it so just similar, seemed like... Same thing. Right, exactly. So it seemed like the right time to go back to school and finally get to study with Mike which was so cool to have the difference between JB and Mike. You know, they're very different teachers. Totally. Um, Mike's very much super energetic, kind of like a football coach, you know. I think that's right. Um, which is awesome. And it was so different from JB. But now I think I have both kind of teaching styles in my own kind of repertoire when I, when I try to teach people. Sometimes I can go to that JB place and sometimes I can go to that mic place. Not as much as he can, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's how... That's what happened in those two years. And then after Masters with Mike, um, I just stayed in Rochester. I got a gig teaching music technology at a community music school. Mm-hmm. And then I was able um, to use that to have other things going on at the school, like start to teach percussion lessons. I started like a school of rock thing. Um, I was teaching composing lessons and songwriting lessons and just all sorts of stuff. And at the same time, the band was going, you know. Um, How busy is the band or was the band? Oh, the band's still going. We're busy, man. Um, But it comes in spurts, you know. So, like, maybe we'll tour for a month and then maybe we'll take a couple months off. Maybe we'll tour for a couple weeks and take, you know. Um, But one of the cool things about the band is recently we were named um, music ambassadors for the state department Uh so they um you know they fly us out to countries that that don't typically hear a lot of american music or meet american people even um and we give clinics and concerts and stuff um so we just found out we got accepted for another round of this program it's called american music abroad it's a really cool program um and we did it last year 
Um, so yeah, man, we stay busy. Um, this year we've been recording a new video every month. Um, it's been like our goal. Because you guys have, you guys in some ways are a YouTube sensation. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think. Do you feel like it's? Do you feel like your your notoriety or your your fame comes from the internet, or do you feel like it comes from your? I think recordings? it's from both. But you know what's really helped is YouTube, obviously. Um, like we did the Game of Thrones cover, which just a lot of people reacted to, which is awesome. But also our music's on Pandora Radio. And our band confuses Pandora Radio because we're, um, we have all classical instruments, right. but we also play rock music. And there's also elements of like world music because I play djembe. Right. So we, come, we pop up on all sorts of stations on Pandora because they can't really figure out how to group us. Um, so we'll be like on a Hans Zimmer station or Radiohead or Yo-Yo Ma or whatever. Um, so people have discovered our band that way. I mean, I, I mean, we get uh, millions and millions of plays a year because of this Internet thing, you know. So, yeah, I think that's definitely helped. Um, and I think also being in New York and just playing all the time really helped, too, man. That was that was super helpful. But the Internet, yeah, YouTube has been Why well, I just wonder, because, yeah, like when I saw that... Peter Dinklage was tweeting about you the other day. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's, that's a level of notoriety that I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I feel like... Um, I have to say, he was, a, he was my neighbor in New York. Was he? When he was just like working at the public theater in New York, I would catch him. Like I lived 23rd and 3rd, and I would downtown, I would, I would run into him all the time. Amazing, man. You know, when we did that video, um, actors from the show, like that was uh, many years ago now, but actors from the show started sharing it, and it just kind of blew up. It became one of those internet things for a little bit, um, which has, you know, been helpful. Um, and I feel like at least we... Uh, you know, like we created a legitimate, like break of reality version of this little tune. You know, right. um, so I feel like that was cool, and it, and it fit our a- aesthetic. Um, sometimes I think some people try to really just create viral videos any way they can, so they'll cover a song that right, right. maybe even has nothing to do with their thing. You know, I feel like for us it fit us, and we made it sound like us, which was pretty cool. So. With the band, how much are you guys playing original stuff versus covers? I, I would say there, about 70% of what we do is original music. And we have f- four original records and five and, and one like kind of covers album. And the covers album is funny because it has like rock bands, but also has like Bach. It has like some classical kind of more arrangements of stuff as well. Um, but I would say about 70 or 75%. And most of the stuff on Pandora that gets played is original music which is Uh really cool and just like i said with the subways earlier man like we'll play a show some random town and every time we meet somebody i found you on pandora and i just started following your band it's like unbelievable that's great yeah it's crazy and because you guys didn't set out for a lot of this no it doesn't i mean maybe you did i mean i think when we first started our band we just doing it for fun and then when we moved to New York, we were like, let's try to make this part of our career, you know, and we started working harder at it. But we didn't set out to like. Well, I guess I just mean setting out to be viral Internet. Stars oh, no. No, I think Pandora. that stuff just happens, man. Um, I don't know how that happens. Isn't it interesting the way that stuff works? But at least it's not like, I don't know, at least it's not like a cat chasing another cat kind of video, that kind of content. At least there's some music based stuff going on, you know, Um 
but yeah, I know it's a, it's a weird balance trying to figure out like how you fit into the internet age and not like trying to do it too much where you're just doing stuff that doesn't mean anything, you know? And, um, did you guys just start because you liked each other? Like, how did what was the inspiration yeah, for the Starlight like Band? Yeah, like Patrick Laird, who's one of the cellists in the band. Me and him are the original members. Okay. Um, we I think we gravitated towards each other because we just listened to a lot of the same kinds of music. Like he listened to a ton of metal growing up and a lot of rock music, um, and I did too. Like I played in a punk band in high school, and that was just a scene that I was in. So at Eastman, you don't meet too many people like that, you know. Right. So it made sense just for us to connect, and that's kind of how how it got going. Yeah, I feel like back in the day, when I would hear about you guys, it would be about your metal influences. People were like, dude, you know those guys? It's like that cello thing, that metal sound. Totally. And now it's way different. Like we used to play with pickups and distortion pedals, and then I remember one day us hanging out and listening to one of our our older records. And it sounded like guitars. We right. were like, why? Like, let's try to just, you know, play with our cello sound and see if we can create a similar kind of vibe. So now we always play, like, with an acoustic sound. It might be amplified, but it's with a microphone, and it's not with a pickup, which mm-hmm. makes the cello sound way different. So I feel like it's a more natural sound for us. Right. Um, and then that's actually allowed us to play even a bigger spectrum of venues, you know? Like, now we can play a classical concert series and you know it, it fits a little uh, bit more you know than than that the crazy your, rock show uh, rocking out on the kit um no we just turn the mics up as loud as they go <laughs> 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 yeah i still play as loud as i can although sometimes i do use like those um not hot rods but kind of like you know cool rods yeah if if we're in a small place and the cellos just legitimately can't hear themselves because they have to tune, you know? Right. <laughs> There's that whole thing. In your monitors, man. Yeah, we thought about it. I think we even tried some sometime, man. They, they, some of the cellos just couldn't get yeah, I bet that's a thing. into it, you know? And the energy was kind of low on stage. So I think, you know, we kind of prefer, even if stuff sounds a little raw, but for there to be a Does great... Does that mean you have to go behind the church? Do you ever go behind the... Um the, the plexiglass. Texas, yeah, you have to go We've behind the Texas church once or twice. Yeah, it's it's sad back there. <laughs> you have like your cone of shame on back there. You're like, look what you did to me, guys. I know, man. It's rough. Yeah, I've done that before. That's funny. That's um. Well, that's cool. That's an interesting approach. I know that definitely. Um, I have not been immune to noticing the rise of something like two cellos, which is like makes. It's confusing to me. You don't have to speak out as a no. I don't. Show. I don't mind at all. I. I'm. It's confusing to me as well. You know. And and but that's just like so, totally like let's just sound like a guitar but make cello face while we're doing it. Yeah, I know. And you know the thing about the thing about some of those internet bands is um, it's just so over the top. You know, right. like they'll do a music video and they're covered in dust and there's like a war, <laughs> there's a war going on behind them and you know the wind machines. So you know, Break Reality has been talking, and maybe I think we're gonna do this at some point. Maybe even with Evan Chapman, who's okay. a great videographer, uh-huh. and I, I, hopefully this works out. But we want to do like a spoof of the classical spoof crossover of- world. And just have a ridiculous music video where, like, the wind machine is just completely blowing Laura out of the entire shot, like playing the cello, laying down with your legs just kicking up everywhere. 
having the strings completely detached yeah, from the cello the fall off. That would be nice. and still ripping a solo somehow, <laughs> you know, because um, I feel like it's kind of almost gotten to that point anyway. I can um, show you some videos. So I think that's right. <laughs> so, so that's the fine line that we don't want to go into. I still totally. think, you know, I, w we want our band to have integrity and we want musicians, our fellow musicians to feel like, Hey, these guys are, are work really hard and are really good at their, you know, craft and, I feel like it's not just a show, you know. There still has to be some music involved. Where's the craziest place that you guys are well-known? That's a great question. Uh, maybe Turkmenistan or Kazakhstan. We're going back to Kazakhstan soon. Um, but, like, in we recently played Brazil last year. We had never been to Brazil, okay? And we show up at this venue, and the doors open, and the very f people just start to come in. He ends up being a thousand people in this concert, and the very first people who walk in are all dressed in Game of Thrones attire. Wow! They knew us because of that video, right, of course. which is crazy to me. Um, so stuff like that, because of the internet, you you know, it's just amazing how many different kinds of people you can reach. So Brazil, we're we're planning on going back there, and Kazakhstan, and Turkmenistan, which is crazy, man. It's like second on the human rights list right right next to north korea you know so like i remember having an improv session with some students there and then one girl was like oh my gosh this is like jazz and i was like yeah it's kind of like jazz and she was like we don't play jazz here and she got really <laughs> quiet and it was just like oh my gosh like it was crazy so that and that was through the state department right. thing um so that's probably the the craziest place where people know about us that's um that program is really great. I have um, an old student of mine from Dartmouth. Has, he has this band called Filiger, which is really great. Cool. We'll probably use them as the lead in music for this for this Perfect. show. But they they have been all over the place with that with that program, and it's it's one it's 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 for them. It's fun to see the impact that they can have with their music. Yeah. And then also, but just what a gift for you guys to get to like see these places and share your music. I think it's a great. Um, it's a great way to connect with those people in those countries. But also part of the program is collaborating with musicians in those places, uh -huh. um, which is really cool. So we learn stuff, which is awesome. Um, like in Kazakhstan, we collaborated with this awesome singer named Gollum Jean Moldenazar. Gollum. And we actually, after that tour, we loved working with Gollum so much that we flew him to New York. And it was the first time he had ever been out of Kazakhstan. Oh, cool. And we did a video together and... It was just awesome, man. So it's been a great way to connect, you know, with people. Okay. We're going to push pause again because Ivan has been talking and he's got so much food in front <laughs> of him. So we're going to eat and then we'll come back. Okay, great. Okay. I think we're, we're back. We're back. I feel like I feel like you're done eating. You look like a man who's eating. I'm done eating. Yeah. Mac and cheese I'm gonna and eat. pie. I'm going to hit a little bit of that one of those blueberries, I think. Yeah, man. Yeah, done. help yourself here. It's too go. good. I mean, you could also. <coughs> I'm I'm really full, man. <laughs> being half my size, <laughs> I can do, I can do things <laughs> like eat your blueberry. Um, well, we've been talking a lot about break of reality, uh, which already, in some ways, well, even in this conversation, we've quickly gone to a couple of things that you went you went to college. You're a you're a you're a Texas boy. You're from yeah. Victoria. Victoria. Is that right? Yep. But if you're a Texas percussionist, you came up being like 
playing lots of did you do all you did all those competitions and uh like marching like, band stuff like what do you have state solo and ensemble oh yeah and i did band. that but um dude i i didn't play percussion a ton in high school because i saxophone was my primary instrument really yeah and then junior year of high school um our high school hired a new percussion teacher who okay. was doing percussion ensemble stuff his name is philip makula and he was an eastman guy and i quit saxophone to do percussion and i had always played drum set but do you know i was a sax player no man first year of music i was sucked <laughs> literally i was so bad that after a year my mom came into my room and was like i don't think this is working <laughs> remember i had it out i was trying to play love me tender and i had probably because i wasn't good they gave me the low part uh-huh. so it was like trying to make my mouth like chill enough to play like yeah and it was just squeaking, <laughs> and my mom was like, I don't think it's working, man. That's so funny. So you switched to drums at that point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. And then, and then props to my, my elementary school band director, this guy Rusty. He, uh, I showed up to the first day of sixth grade with my drumsticks. Uh-huh. I was like, I need to switch. He was like, to drums? You know, like he was bummed because too many boys wanted to hit the drums. Sure. But luckily I was like, I have sticks. They're with me. And then he was like, okay. You're hired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I'm glad I showed up prepared That's for the first awesome, day of man. sixth grade. I didn't know that. <coughs> Fellow sax player here. That's awesome. That's right. uh, but you showed up with one idea of school, ended up starting to write music, formed a cello quartet. Yep. So your life probably is uh, took a few turns pretty quick that you didn't totally. expect. I, was, I thought I was going to teach public school. My heart was set on it. That's why I did music ed in college as well as performance. Um, but the cello band started going, and then um, writing music started going a little bit, and yeah. I have one other really dumb question for you. Sure. <laughs> Before I go to the bigger question, did you play on the Gordon Stout concert at Eastman? I think, is that the concert where Ian Fry played a tambourine with Gordon? Like they did a duo where Ian just kind of rode 16th notes the whole time, and Gordon played some marimba? Probably. yeah, yeah. I I don't know if I played on that show, but okay. I was there. I was trying to think if we would have ever played because that was Sean Connors and I shared a marimba. Like we oh, were, cool. we were doing some like there was like one piece for you, you know. know I think the us. older uh, students were in that group, and I was oh, a, I was, was a, younger. We were the esteemed. Yes, the esteemed I ensemble. remember you coaching uh, Sean's one of Sean's uh, pieces, an arrangement of his Maslanka <laughs> tune that I played in. Nice. Yeah, and you. I remember you telling me, dude, your toms are way too loud. <laughs> and they were. It's like, this isn't a tom solo. In a, in a very nice Doug way. You That's know? only funny because all I do at Boston Conservatory is yell at people's tom-tom playing. I'm just like, your toms sound horrible. I have a real... But I have a real bone to pick with the world's idea of what a tom-tom is and what you can get away with. That's funny. Yeah, my students, I'm always like, what do I say? And they're like, we know. These drums are horrible. Do them better. Get a better tom. Um, yeah. But anyhow, so you just that your your life began has been kind of spinning, and I think it's why I like you so much, because you've you've allowed yourself to kind of grow in unexpected ways, and um, so these days, so you know when I think of you, I think of you as a percussionist, I think of you as a composer, I guess I think of you as a percussionist and a composer and an, and an educator, I guess. Cool. How do you see yourself? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and in what order? Some, sometimes it's composer first, I think, now. Cause I, well, I think a lot of people think of you as composer. Sure. Probably people who are finding this and listening to you, aside from people who 
yeah. like your group. I think a lot of people know you. I think percussionist music. and composer could be interchangeable, but uh-huh. I think composer might be the first thing on that list now. Um, just because it's a you know such a big part of my career in terms of uh, you know um, getting my music played out by other people and doing commissions and stuff, um, but I never envisioned that ever, man. But I've kind of accepted that, and it makes me happy to write music, and I feel lucky that I can do it. You know, it's pretty cool. When you started writing, were you writing for yourself, or were you writing for other people, like from the no. Get-go? Uh, well, in high school, I wrote songs with guitar, like song, just punk rock tunes, three chord tunes. And then once I got in, into college, I just kind of adapted some of those songwriting techniques with some of the uh, just the marimba stuff that I knew, you know. Um, so I think I was just writing for me. Like my first tune was Memento, which is a marimba solo. Um, and yeah. Oh, yeah, right. I've heard that one. Yeah. And I wrote that at Eastman. That was the first tune that I took to Mr. Beck to help me with. Oh, nice. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, I think I just always write for just write for me. And um, like I was telling you the other day in the car, um, and what I might do maybe in a year or two is um, maybe leave the commission stuff just aside for a second and not take anything on. And just write whatever I feel like writing, you know, which is which would be really nice. And I think that's how I started. And then, um, you know, when people start to get interested and they might have ideas about instrumentation and what what they need for their ensembles. And I love doing that. I love collaborating. But it might be nice for me to take a period of my life where I just write weird stuff just for me, you know. Have you written much? I mean, obviously, I know your percussion music. Is that is that your bread and butter or are you getting to write for other groups? Um, no, mostly percussion music, um, sometimes mixed ensemble, but always kind of headed up by somebody in the percussion world. But with Break Reality, I songwrite as well. So that's kind of, I get to do that too. Um, But we don't really do any commissions. That's just, we write for our band, you know, it's a different, that's a band, you know, it's a different thing. It's a different thing, but mostly percussion centric stuff. Um, and that's great. I've written a couple like win ensemble things. Um, but, um, I don't know. I like writing percussion stuff. I feel like the repertoire could always be expanded, you know, and that makes me happy, um, to do. And when you're doing that stuff, how do you approach it? Well, um, usually if I'm writing a tune, I'll start with a simple theme and then I'll kind of just experiment with different ways, uh, to, to play that theme or to, you know, do you do it behind the instrument or do you? Sometimes, sometimes I don't, um, on, on my phone, I have a, a voice memo, you know, uh-huh. and uh, so I'll show you and the people can't really see this, but every time I hear an idea or in my head or whatever, so I won't forget it, I'll just sing it into my phone um, and and I have a lot of them and it's like a little just menu of little themes. So sometimes if I'm in a rut or I don't know where to start, I can, can we, just go can we visit. Hear one? Uh, sure. Can you hold her up to the? Yeah. Let's Mike. see what I got here. Hold on one second. Let's see. He's looking through his phone. Yeah. You might edit this one. All right. Um, let's see what this one is. This one's long. I don't know, but... Sorry, I don't mean to make you... Just singing. Just, well, just... That's great. 
And I think I'm on tour with the band. And uh, maybe I'm in the passenger seat. Oh, so nice. I just, you know, I'm going to sing this tune and like, people are going to think I'm weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not a great singer. But then I can go and revisit those ideas if I need them. Um, and, and sometimes it starts that way, like musically, like with a theme. And sometimes it's different. Like maybe there's a person I'm thinking about or an event. Um, so I think every piece is always different. But I do a lot of thematic writing. And I think that's a songwriting trait. You know, uh-huh. come up with a riff and then orchestrate it in a number of different ways, you know. I'm hardly, I'm, let's, I'm not a composer, but I have been, I have been composing. Well, you're a composer. Sure, you know, in that sense, but just uh, sure. a, lo- a, a lowercase c. I write stuff. <laughs> I like think I write stuff. I write music sometimes. Um, <clears throat> but it's been funny. I have to be completely systems based uh-huh. to get started. Sure. And then I start, I have to be systems or big concept based and then just break my own rules to fit sure so i yeah it's it's a funny it's funny the way i to allow myself whatever however i've gotten to a place yeah it's all well i think uh every composer is different yeah you know has different ideas i think with me it comes from the songwriting stuff that i did and also the music that i listen to away from academic music Um, which is nice i think for me probably what What's good for you? I got up my own classical music, but a little too far, and okay. I feel like it's like years of working my way out of it. Sure, I was like, I think you know, because for a while, I remember. Well, it was like even back in the so days, we used to say that we didn't improvise and we didn't write our own music. And I know that for those guys and for myself, I think we've all been on a slow boat of back to like we started out as drum set players right. who wrote tunes in our basement. Right. Let's all let's all chill out about it. Yeah. I, I kind of feel that way. I just try to embrace both parts of my musical being. You know, I try to embrace the academic side and play, you know, music like uh, timber, you know, but also write tunes and play loud drum set. And I think it's all good. You know, I try not to get, what did you say? Your head too far up your butt about yeah, stuff. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, so then now I realize we're in a study hall. Yes, we are. It's very quiet. <laughs> Um, but anyway I think by embracing those things um, I think it it probably allows musicians to to really create their own voice like if I just tried to be academic about stuff I don't think it would be honest and if I just tried to write pop tunes the whole time I don't think it would be honest either I think honesty is a big thing with writing music Mike Burrett always says that you know he's like Whatever you do, be honest, you know. I always think about that. It's a good lesson, I think. Yeah, I feel like he he's good at he's good at that. Yeah. He's good at it. I think I though I think he's self-conscious about it too sometimes. Oh yeah. Cuz I'm I like his music and like every summer we get together at my summer festival and I always program his music. And I think there's always a point where he's like knowing me and knowing my you know, academic inclinations. He's sure. always like, "But come on." You're not really into this. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I'm really into. You know, I think. Yeah. I think he feels. He feels the. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that. in our field, like the academic, whatever, classical world, there's a lot of that. You know, because I think there's a lot of pressure to impress people and um, to feel like you're not doing something legitimate. Um, I think that's why Mike always programs really hard music when he goes on the road. I'm gonna play Vignal. Or used to do the Schwantner velocities, you know. Yeah, yeah he kind of has to torture himself. Yeah, he's like, like I, I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. 
But I think now he started, I think and I, maybe this is happening all within the classical world where things are getting a little more relaxed. Mm-hmm. And I think now Mike's saying, you know what? I think I'm just going to play music that I like to play. Right. That's good. You know, I feel like that's good for audiences too. Um, it's good to have both, both things going on. Yeah, I'll be curious. I, now I just want to hear Mike write a slow piece. <laughs> but maybe it's not in him. Yeah, I don't know. Because maybe honesty to him is, you know, he's an energetic. To know Mike totally, is to know a ball of energy. Yes. His music is a ball of energy. I mean, there's moments in his pieces that are really... Really, really intimate, lo- lovely intimate. moments. Yes. But, they, you know, there are those... But even the intimate moments involve 30 seconds, I think. <laughs> there's rarely a sustain. <laughs> but, yeah, maybe I'll write those pieces. That's yeah. Fine. Yeah, you should. You know, Mike and I are thinking about doing a duo kind yeah, of record. That would be so great. Yeah, which would be cool. We still have to figure out the logistics of that. But maybe I'll maybe for that, I'll say, hey, Mike, you're going to write just a beautiful, slow yeah, song. Yeah. Called I song. bet it would be awesome, man. You know, he's a great writer, great composer. Um, what made you come to Texas? You came home. Yeah. Um, my wife and I were living in Rochester, um, Amanda and I met at Eastman, and I think just, you know, writing in the band was getting us to a place where we could kind of decide to live where we would want to live, you know, and um, and she decided she wanted to do a different career path, too, so it made a ton of sense for us to come back to Texas, and she's from Austin, okay. um, so we just decided to move home, and um, now she's in the real estate business, which is really great. And she's doing an awesome job and loves it. You know, she's super happy. I think she's happier doing that than she was with her previous job in Rochester. And I think that's the biggest thing, honestly, um, just wanting her to be happy. Cause I can do music stuff, man, wherever, you know? Um, and I feel fortunate for that, but we chose Austin because our families are here and she's, she's working. Are you digging it? I love it. It's awesome, man. Um, Austin's amazing for food and for coffee and beer and whatever. It's just crazy. And a lot of people say that it's changing too fast. It's not right. quite as weird as it used to be. I feel like they've been saying that since I've... So I should tell you that I'm kind of... Being here this week is... I've been having a great week in Texas. Cool. I, I love Texas. And I, as a northerner, I will say, sitting in the state of Texas, I told myself I never wanted to ever come to the state. I'd written the state off, <laughs> like, from birth. Like, that's, that place is not, you know. Yeah. There's a couple of things I did. I, well, one, I swore off the state of Texas. Uh-huh. I never wanted to be in a percussion group. When I was in Cincinnati with the percussion group in Cincinnati, I, like, pitied them. I thought they're, <laughs> it's like, why do you do this weird music? This looks horrible. Why is your life? That's become my life. Right. Uh, and then... I lived in New Hampshire. The one time I was on tour with So in New Hampshire, I spent the whole day asking when we were going to leave the state. Uh Um, I married a Texan. My wife's from Dallas. Nice. And for a few years, I really hated my wife. We dated as freshmen in college. (laughs) And then, like, I... We broke up and I, like... The passion was strong in the positive and the negative. (laughs) So so I also married a woman that I vowed never to speak to again at some point in my life. That's funny. Um, But Texas is so great. It's awesome, man. It's a great vibe. Um, and if there's a, a city to live in, I think Austin's probably the one. You know, it's very, um, it's very progressive in terms of its ideas and the culture. It's a, it's a really a piece of California in the middle of Texas. Right. You know, this uh, time of year, I have such fond memories of like going to Round Top. Mm-hmm. For, you know, for Tom, you, was Tom there too? Or uh, he was at times. Originally, like, so started going there. 
And then Todd and I would go. And there was like a festival for a number of years that Tom Barrett and Todd and I would do every year. Cool. But so I could count on like one spring weekend a year. Sure. Just like perfect. Awesome. Yeah. We love it, man. It's great. I mean, we miss Rochester and our friends. And maybe so the, that, sum, see, the that summers. That statement is more surprising to me. Right. To miss, to miss right. <laughs> I do in the summer. <laughs> in the summer, and and our friends there, right? Um, but we don't regret moving at all. We are so happy in Austin, man. It's great. Um, and you've uh, did did you write a children's book? Is that what you said? Yeah, I wrote a chi- no, I wrote a children's story. Children's story. I was just talking to the guys in the uh, Baylor percussion quartet. You know, they're called. Lagan, is that Lagan. right? Did I get yes, it? Lagan percussion, because right. um, they they're interested in, com- in getting me to write them a piece. So we might even in- incorporate this story that I wrote. Yeah, it's about a little star who gets covered in space junk, and um, she finally makes her way out of it, and she starts to create things with the space junk, like clothes and jewelry and musical instruments, and then she kind of floats them away to the other stars who get them and, and and start to play music with the instruments and like wear her cool clothes and stuff. Um, but anyway, I'm thinking about setting it to music, which would be really cool. And one of my friends in Rochester, Mike Terzansky, think he's going to illustrate the story for me. So maybe we'll make a book or something. Um, I'm still kind of thinking through how it would work musically, but um, I'm excited about that. I've completely failed. What the title of the podcast is five days with Doug. I was supposed to ask you what you do on any five days. How you okay. get through your life. Sure. I think it's, I feel like it's too late for that. So, um, but what about, uh, in a Bill Kahn sense, what about five years from now? Where are you going to be? What's wow. your life look like? That's a great question. Um, I'd probably still be writing music and playing with the cello band, I think. Um, maybe teaching a little bit. Like, uh, I might be here at Baylor, you know, on a more regular basis, which will be cool. Um, but I think we'll still be in Austin. I mean, we're building a home now, so I can probably envision us having a family um, and me doing the music thing, you know? I don't know, though. But that's okay, right? It's probably okay to not know all of those things. I think it's fine. Yeah. I always like thinking about a plan, and then it's never going to happen exactly as you expect it. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of, like, musical compositions, I've always thought about some different... Um, different ideas or, or kind of longer term, larger scale works, you know? Um, what like about as a player? Do you have any hopes and dreams? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, yes, I, obviously I do. Um, but what are those? I don't know. I just feel happy playing every time I play. You know, a kid asked me the other day, what do you feel when you play music? That's like a crazy question, right? But it's, it's, it's valid. It's a valid question. It's just hard to answer, but I, think i feel fortunate every single time you know because some people don't get to do this stuff um so i just hope that i can just keep doing that um maybe i want to learn like like harder crazy marimba rep just for fun you know sounds horrible yeah but i think i mean i get it yeah i feel like the older we get the more we i know but i think i I feel feel like i have a stack of marimba music in my it's huge i I skip that step man somehow like I did I, at Eastman, I played a lot of hard music, but um, how did you survive Mike Barrett without? You know, just very ca- carefully. <laughs> 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 no, I mean I did play some some hard music, but there were some pieces that I didn't explore, 
and like I'm a big fan of, of Vinyao's music. I love his music so much, and I played like some of his B- Book of Groove stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe I would love to play like the whole book with somebody. That would be fun, and and learn a couple of his really hard solos, which I haven't learned. Um, so yeah, that would be fun, man. But I I don't really know, Doug. I haven't thought. I haven't. I just things sometimes they get so busy it's hard to think about the bigger picture and i think you were telling me that yesterday right totally yeah Yeah, Um, it's tough but maybe but maybe your answer is valid and then uh you always seem to be a guy who's happy where he is yeah that's true i think i try to be uh, you know and i think you're good at that and maybe the reason i keep talking to people is trying to learn how to be that way (laughs) i think i'm I'm often the guy who's never happy at the party he's at because he's thinking about where he's going oh yeah so sometimes yeah for me to slow down and to just like enjoy today sure it's something that i'm i'm getting actually being a dad has helped that because uh-huh. as you've seen my son a bit although he's been pretty mellow this week yeah like he's got to be when it's him and i just have to be where he is I yeah have to be on his wavelength or else sure it's hard to swim upstream from that yeah. energy but that's why it's interesting like uh for me and, and Mike Burrett, you know, we're kind of, we're pretty different people. Um, but I think that's why we kind of gravitate towards each other because he can push me sometimes. And then I think sometimes I can, um, you know, help him like just kind of chill out. Yeah. A little bit. And we learn from each other that way. Um, which is pretty good. And sometimes I need to really, sometimes I need to think ahead a little bit more and not be so complacent and just say, Hey, things are going great. Whatever comes tomorrow is fine. And then Mike's the kind of guy, and you're probably like this too. Like you get done with one project and immediately you're like, you're four projects ahead already thinking about what you're doing, you know? And I, yeah, I think that's right. And I think Mike and I actually both, hi Mike, you're not going to listen to this. It's certainly not this long, <laughs> but we're talking about you. Uh, I think he and I suffer the fate also of by being so busy we end up closing ourselves off to opportunity mm-hmm. by filling ourselves with so many opportunities. Sure. Cause there are so many times interesting things come up for me that I can't do because I'm like, I've already committed to just stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, how do you slow down enough to avail yourself? No, totally. And I think it's quantity versus quality. Like even if you have less uh-huh. stuff, I think for me, sometimes it's okay that I have less stuff. Cause that means I get to make the stuff that I'm doing. Like, you know, I try to do it as good as I can. And if I had too much, then sometimes it suffers, you know. I think that's right. Yeah. So it's just a, a balance, I think. Um, yeah. That's a tough. It's a, I wish us both luck in our endeavors that way. <laughs> but the, I guess uh, to close, though, the thing we have to talk about that's important for you in the next five years is that you're going to uh, you're going to learn how to ride a bike and swim. At Chosen Vale this summer, right? Certainly, we should do both at Chosen Vale. We should do. It, you're not. You're not there for a full week, so I worry about doing both. Oh, okay. But we could get. You know, just bring some pads. There's like a lot of. There's a lot of straight road. Great. Some floaties. Should I bring some floaties? <laughs> Maybe. There's a. There's one beach that's. You couldn't do the rope swing with us because that dumping you into like 15 feet water would be kind of scary. But there is a beach. That could be. That you know, be when I told you yesterday that I couldn't swim or ride a bike, you just looked at me in, with, in such a shocked kind of manner. You were like, <laughs> you just didn't even say anything at first. I think you were trying to comprehend what I had just said. But yeah, I can't swim, man, or ride a bike. We're going to solve that problem. There's I'm so, excited and for And in that. Austin, you should ride a bike. You're totally right. I walk a lot, but I should ride a bike. And in Texas, like, there's so, biking is so great. 
I know. And the, my like one of my big things that I want desperately, all I w- not all I want to do, but I really legitimately think a lot about. Like I want to go to Roundtop with a bike, spend a week at Roundtop with a bike because there's just all those like flat straight roads, uh-huh. and just like you and your thoughts and. I hear it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to go rent bikes like right now. Dude, I'm excited to learn. I need to too, right? You know, me and How Mandy have kids. It's like that. those are things that normal kids should do that I just didn't do. And not to my parents. Like, it's not their fault. No, no, no. I can just, it's just, just, if we lived in New Hampshire, Jake, we lived on a hill. Yeah. Like we just lived, we lived between four, we lived kind of in the bottom of a valley. Okay. So there's no, there's no fun. You just like walking. It would have just been misery on yeah. all directions. Huh. But like Chicago is like a big old flat pancake, right? So you just a bike makes sense. And there's yeah. sidewalks, and it's so. Then we we solved that problem there. Yeah. And uh, did you ever skateboard? A little bit. Yeah, I did. Okay. I did. You know who I met recently? Are you a skateboarder? Did you skateboard at all? I, yes, that's more know, accurate. I did skateboard. Do you know Stefan Janowski? Does that name ring a bell? I know the name, but... Yeah, these are his shoes, right? These are his signature shoes. He gave me these shoes. Why? We did a product trade because he's a musician, and he was in Austin, and um, we met. That's and awesome. And he said, You're, you play the marumba? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, I play the marumba. He's like, I love that instrument. And I showed him some of my mallets because I had some in my bag. I'm just going to take a picture of your shoes. And um, we did a trade. He was like, dude, these are awesome. They have your name on them. You must be good at the marumba. <laughs> <laughs> and we did a swap, man. It's just pretty and, cool. Um, our he, he so his right? name on is his name on it? Um, yeah, I think so. Somewhere, yeah. Look, right there. That's awesome, and it's just like that. Nike makes skate a skateboarder oh, shoes. Oh, they're super popular shoes. And honestly, they were shooting a commercial in Austin at my um, in-laws' house. Sometimes their house. Uh, production companies like rent scout it. out and they uh-huh. rent it so they rented it out to nike to do stefan's new shoot for his shoe right and my mother-in-law who's an awesome jewish mother-in-law who's just super proud of, of all the music stuff i do she has a pair of my mallets there and somehow they got into the shoot so I think you can actually, when the commercial comes out, you'll be able to see the mallets for like a split second. Wow. So after that, um, you know, I went to meet him and I showed, you know, gave him the mallets and we did a trade. It was super cool. He sent me two pair, actually, this one and then a signed original kind of the the authentic Janoski like first shoe. Um, and he's an artist, too. So he drew his dog on the shoe box, which is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So maybe for a split second, you know, uh, those mallets would be in the, in the commercial. I just have, so I, I have just two therapy questions. That would be such a great way to end, but I can't, I just need to, I think I need to, I need to get my questions answered about the, you're not alone at people that can't ride bikes and swim, but like what you probably had to, like, were you invited to swim parties growing up? Um, like, what did you do in the moments when kids were like, let's ride bikes? Oh, let's I swim. think my friends just knew I didn't do that. So you just had, like, the world's most supportive friends? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, man. I don't. I just remember playing a, lot of, times a like, lot of baseball. And you're just like, I'm going to Basketball. Um, some video games, you know, like uh-huh. old school video games. Yeah, but I just didn't. Whenever they did that, maybe I didn't go or they just. You had, like, music 
to practice. Yeah, I guess. The pool party, you were just like, I'm just going to sun myself a little bit. Yeah, but everybody makes fun of me for this. It's crazy. Even like my little nephews, you know, they're like, oh, there's our dumb uncle who can't (laughs) ride a bike or swim. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know how I got through life, man. Um, Swimming. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't do it, bro. I think I I tried. I tried. It just didn't work out for me. It's great. It's like for me and it's like the, so my son just like two weeks ago, I now could say he can swim. I was like two weeks ago. He's eight and a half now. I don't know why it was like the thing. It was the thing that like the sense of relief when I saw him swim across the lake (laughs) or swim across the pool, it was like he got into college or something. (laughs) I was like, I did it. Because I was sure he was, I sure it wasn't going to happen. Sure. And the sense of like, I remember my wife and I were just like having that parent moment of like, let's not mention it. Let's not freak out. <laughs> Don't make this a big deal for him. <laughs> just like, so he poked his head up and like, oh, cool, man. Come on back. That's just awesome. Like, oh. Amazing. Well, you're going to feel that same way when I see you swim. Yeah. That's intense. Because, uh, <laughs> well, two things. One, what Amy Garapik has to know about it. I think she knows. She uh, has sure. to know, but regardless, she's going to be so excited. Yeah, I but, can't uh, wait for that. The other fun thing is that her mom calls the djembe a jambe. Oh, hilarious! I didn't so know this that. is another one for bad uh, <laughs> marumba and jambe. <laughs> so you, you have that. That's what you could call the episode is mar- marumba with marumba. Ivan. That's right. <laughs> I love Amy. She's great, man. Yeah. She was awesome in school. We played a lot of music together. You know, I remember her coming back late from stuff in new york to make friday morning rehearsals uh you know just always always doing stuff always staying busy and doing amazing things that'd be fun well that's good yeah i think you'll be well taken care of yeah yeah great and mike too will be there i'm sure yeah mike ames yeah once i learn mike's gonna challenge me to a a race on both i just can't believe and swimming I almost can't believe he let you graduate without riding a bike. <laughs> like, I feel like at some point he'd have been like, Ivan, come to the house. Come on. We're going, we're going yeah, to ride a bike. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. Ma- I, I don't know if he knows that. I'm sure he does. I feel like we got to hire Evan Chapman to come. That's a great to idea. Document not Chosen Bale, but to document Just the swimming and the swimming bike. and biking. <laughs> <laughs> like get like a three camera shoot going. Perfect. As Mike is holding your seat and chase, <laughs> running down the street with you, you know, like. Go, go. And you're like, I got it. I got it. <laughs> we should. I would love that. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm excited about Chosen Vale too. But I think I'm mostly excited about the biking and swimming that's going to happen. Hopefully. I'm going to spend my whole day looking at a, teaching an adult to ride a bike. <laughs> I'm a small person, though. so That's true. We've got to get you like one of those like things for the kids that don't have pedals. Yeah. Where you just walk around campus. Like, my wife always says. <laughs> Because I'm well, and I'm balancing the thing of like as as the director of this thing that like how to keep the talent safe. Because I'll feel horrible if you fall when you fall over. You know what I mean? It's gonna happen. Will it happen? Maybe not. I but maybe know. you're maybe when you're an adult, you just kind of like you'll put your feet down. I think so. I'm because like a kid, you just don't. I'm coordinated, man. Like you know, I, I can do I the think sports thing, you. and but yeah. I think I can do it though, right? If I can play seven against eight in timber, then I can do this. Yeah, you're real. Good. You're, you're better than me at that. That's good. <laughs> I don't know about that. You're pretty good at it too, Doug. I'm okay. 
<laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm okay. Timber, that's a hard one. Those dynamics are hard for me, man. Getting the swells. Yeah. Yeah. A, All right. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, let's go. Let's go do that. Sounds great. Thanks, awesome. Man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Goodbye. Okay,